are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, in light of my, uh, my father passing away this past week, I just wanted to take a minute and say thanks to you for every text, for every email, for every card, uh, for every word of encouragement, and for every hug. We have felt a lot of love and a lot of support and uh, very grateful for you as a church family in that time. You know, um, my dad was, was 82 years old and he was, he was very, very sick. He had lots of issues physically going on. And so this is all, you know, really a good thing. He's, he's not in his suffering anymore and he's with the Lord. And, um, and that's all great. There, there is also with it this heavy, heavy sadness that, that we're living with as a family. And, um, at the same time, God brings, in the midst of that sadness, a great sense of peace. And so we're, we're really grateful. Um, my dad had dementia. And so for about 16, 17 years, um, he, hasn't, he hasn't been himself really. And for most of those years, he hasn't been able to, to know me by name. So when I would go home, he wouldn't be able to, to call me by my name. He, I think he most of the time knew I was a son. Um, don't really know for sure all that he was thinking. But um, what happened at the funeral was that we were forced to remember my dad before dementia. And it was awesome. And throughout the week, we were seeing his friends and they were coming and visiting and they were reminding us of stories about my dad. And, and all I really knew of my dad was a, was a good Christian man. When he was 27 years old, we had a pastor who began to come to my house and visit my dad because my mother attended the church. But my dad was not in a good place in life. He wasn't living right. And so life was hard and money was hard and marriage was hard and family was hard and things weren't good. But this pastor would go to my house and he would, he would visit my dad. And he would say to my dad, like on a Saturday afternoon, after he would visit with him, well, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. And my dad would respond, why, are you coming back out to my house tomorrow? And the pastor would say, no, I was thinking maybe you'd come to church. And my dad would say, I'm not coming to your church. But one time the pastor says to my dad, hey, my wife and I are going to Summersville tomorrow night to a camp meeting service for our district. Why don't you and your wife go with us and we'll eat together? And my dad says, I don't really know why I said yes, but I did. I said yes. And we rode with him and his wife to this camp meeting service in Summersville, Kentucky. And that night, a leader in the Church of the Nazarene, a general superintendent named G.B. Williamson, preached. And after he preached, he gave an invitation for people to come forward to be forgiven of sin. And my dad walked down the aisle and he asked Jesus to forgive him of his sin. And my dad made a choice that night to follow the radical Jesus for the rest of his life. And it changed the trajectory. What did you say? I like it. Hooray. It changed the trajectory of my family. It changed my life. 
And, uh, and, and, and all I really knew was this guy in my life, my dad, who loved Jesus deeply, who uh, loved his church, who loved, you know, investing in others, who loved... My dad would witness to anybody. I mean, my dad was always talking to people about Jesus. And, and I remember him just giving sacrificial. I remember thinking, man, he would make a commitment to like a new building the church was building or to missions. And I'm thinking, how are you ever going to come up with enough money to pay this? But my dad believed in living by faith and, and just giving. So that was the kind of life that he lived. And I'm really blessed. So what my dad did was he chose a path. That night he said, this is the direction my life is going. So from this point forward, this is, this is what I'm choosing. This is how I'm going to live. This is, this is who I'm going to be. And that path had an incredible destination. And on Tuesday morning, we gather in my church at home with my family and friends and the people who attend that church, and we celebrated my dad's eternal destination. All right, so you and I have been talking for a long time now about the path that you choose in life. And, and we've talked about the fact that when you choose a path, that path often has a very predictable destination, right? I mean, this is going somewhere and from where I'm at. And, and so as a kid, I watched my dad live. And I remember as a kid realizing if my dad keeps living the way that he's living, I can see where this is going. I can see where this ends up. What we haven't talked a lot about are those factors that influence you choosing the path that you choose in life. Now, that's what we haven't talked a lot about. We've talked about the fact that you choose a path, and that path has a pretty predictable destination. And when I say that, I realize that there are people listening to me, and you're saying right now, maybe as a college student, a high school student, maybe a young mom and dad, maybe an older person in the room, I can see that the path I'm on, if I stay on it, I can see where it's going to take me. We have not, though, talked about those factors that influence you in choosing the path that you choose. And so... Here's what we're going to talk about today. And you might want to grab your worship folder that you were given when you came in. And if you hear anything worth writing down today, you might want to write it down. And this might be one of those things you might want to write down. But here's what we're going to talk about. The things that get our attention. And probably better said, the things that we give our attention to, okay, in life. Influence the direction in life that we often choose, okay? So the things that grab our attention, the things that capture our attention, often influence heavily the direction that we choose to take our lives. The things that grab our attention, the things that capture our attention, often have a great influence on the direction that we choose in life. So that's what we're going to talk about. I want to take you to God's Word, okay? And we're going to be in the book of Psalms. What's another word for Psalms? Songs. People sung these, okay? And I want to go to chapter 119. So you want to grab a device, phone, a Bible, something, go there with me. We'll also put the words on the screen for you. And we're in chapter 119, verse 33. Now, if you look at chapter 119, you're going to say, okay... Psalm 119 looks different than all the other Psalms. 
Because there's these sections. And at each section there is a heading. So what is that all about? It, it's the way it's structured. And so in the Hebrew alphabet, do you know how many letters there are? 22. Guess how many sections there are in Psalm 119? 22. And so that heading that you see over each section is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it starts with the first one. And, 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 and the word, the first word, starts with that letter. There are eight verses in each section. Now, here's what it's about. The theme of all of those sections is the same. Adherence to the law of God. Do you know what the Hebrew word for law is? It's Torah. Do you know what Torah means? It's more than when you and I think about law and you and I trying to be law-abiding citizens, okay? It's more about understanding the will of God. So the Torah is how God reveals His will to the people of Israel. This is my way. This is, these are my commands. These are my decrees. These are my precepts. This is how I will you, want you to live your life, okay? So that's what the will of God is. And so what the psalmist does is he talks in 119 about, I want to live my life according to God's plan. What he's really saying is, I am choosing a path. So here I am in my life, and I'm going to go forward from here, and I am choosing a path. And the path that I'm choosing is what God wants me to do, all right? And so let me read you words beginning with verse 33. Here's what he says. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow them to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all of my heart. Direct me in the path, okay, of your commands, for there I find delight. So what what you're seeing is that the psalmist is saying, all right, so as I look at my future, I've made a decision, and I've decided that here's how I'm going to live my life. The path I'm going to choose, the direction my life is going to go, is that I'm going to follow what God wants of me. So from this point forward, my life is all about the will of God. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. When God says, go that direction, I'm going that direction. I'm going to live my life the way God chooses me to live my life. Now, if that's the way I'm going to live my life, What are the things that I must avoid? And that's what he deals with in the next verse. He says, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. See, that's a really good definition for sin. Sin is simply this, selfishness. Sin is simply saying, (laughs) we're not going to do the God thing today, all right? Today, I'm going to do what I want to do. Not doing the God thing. Today, I'm going to veer off that path, and I'm going to take a side road. And today, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's, That's what sin is. It's just simply selfishness. Listen to the next phrase. Turn my eyes away. Don't let me give my attention to worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread. 
for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts and your righteousness, God. Preserve my life. So I want to talk to you about it a little bit this morning. I, I have a friend who is much older than me. And I met him several years ago. And, and there is one conversation that we have had over and over and over again. Okay? Here's the conversation. He says to me, I, I, I remember where I was the first time I saw her. He said, although I was married and, and I had kids... And my business was going really well. When, when I saw her walk into that room, I mean, I was, I was mesmerized by her. She, she was beautiful. I mean, she caught my attention. I was taken aback. And when she looked into my eyes, he said, nobody had ever looked into my eyes like that before. And what he's saying is simply this. That woman who was younger than me, very beautiful, very attractive, looked into my eyes, got my attention. I'm telling you, she grabbed my attention. I mean, she had me 100%. I mean, I I was all in at that point. I was... I wanted to get to know her more. And I put myself, he said, in a position to try to nurture a getting to know her. He said, finally, she divorced her husband. I divorced my wife. And we got on a plane. And we flew out of the city. And we got married. And so, for years, he and I have had this conversation. I've listened to him retell the story. And you know how the story always ends up? If I could undo anything in my life, Rick, if I could rewind anything, if I could delete any part of my life, if I could do over anything, I would have never done that. My wife did not deserve it. My kids did not deserve it. And I don't know if I will ever, ever, ever in my life feel like me and God are okay. And so as a friend, here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to say to him, but let me talk to you about forgiveness, okay? And, and let me help you understand grace. In conversation after conversation after conversation over many years, sometimes I don't know if he will ever, ever, ever realize his forgiveness. See, here's what, here's what happens in moments like these, I believe. I believe that there are people all over this room. There are many of us. So I'm including myself in this conversation who would say... You don't need to keep explaining that. I get it because that's my story too. I can look back on my life and I can point to a situation or an instance, an occasion, an occurrence where something happened and my attention was captured. And it didn't turn out good. 
It was bad for me. I mean, I'm living today like that guy. I'm living with a regret. I mean, if I could go back and undo one thing, I would undo that. Because I was going through life and all of a sudden something captured my attention. And it influenced the direction of my life. And if I could undo it, I would undo it. So let me quote Principle of the Path this morning, okay? And, and if you don't write this down, it's okay, but I really want you to walk out the door with this in your head, okay? It's kind of a play on words, but it's really good, okay? Here's what he says, simply this. We must pay attention to what we are paying attention to. You would do well to pay really close attention to what you are paying attention to. (laughs) Because what you are paying attention to influences the direction of your life. Because we tend to drift toward whatever it is that we are paying attention to. And so right now, as I'm talking, there are people around me, and and I understand this because all week long, God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, has been speaking to me, and you are identifying situations in your life, and you're saying, Rick, if I had to admit what really has my attention today, I'm going to tell you, this is what has my attention, and I need to pay attention to what I'm paying attention to because it's not good. We would do really well in our lives if we would pay attention to what it is that we are paying attention to. Because what we pay attention to influences the path that we choose. Amen? So the psalmist writes, God, (laughs) turn my heart toward your statutes. I mean... Put my heart on the right path. And, and whatever you do, God, don't let me, don't let me turn left toward selfish gain. Whatever you do, God, keep my heart focused on the right path. And don't let me fall in this trap of saying, you know what? We're not doing the God thing today. We're going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's all about selfishness. And it's what I want. And so the psalmist gets on his knees before God and he prays that prayer. Now, I, I just, I just want to do this for a few minutes. Um, if I've already said, look me in the eyes, I'll quit saying that. That's kind of a bad habit. But look me in the eyes, okay? Because I think you and I should admit something to each other right now. Just right here. Some of you are sitting by family. I know that might be a little embarrassing or awkward. But let's just do this. Let's just say this. In agreement, temptation is real. Yeah. And I'm tempted every day. That's true. You may want to see yourself as some super holy hero. You're not. You may want to believe that there is nothing the enemy can dangle in front of you today that would not get your attention. Not true. As long as you're in the flesh... You are susceptible to sin. 
And as long as you are susceptible to sin, the enemy is going to be all over you. And every day of your life, you're facing temptation. And so just to kind of admit that and to kind of get off this high horse that says, I'm pretty solid. Just admit to yourself that temptation is real and the enemy is looking for somebody to destroy. And unfortunately, I meet with people every week that he's making pretty good progress with. And so just just getting open and honest with each other this morning and just admitting that temptation is real and the enemy has my number and he will not leave me alone. And that's what the psalmist understands. And so therefore he prays (laughs) this other part of the prayer. So God, this is real. So I got to have some grace. You know, I got to have some help. And here's what I need your help with. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Don't let me give my attention to things I should not be giving my attention to. So God, somehow, by your grace, i got to have some help here, man. Okay, help a brother out because I'm tempted every day and and, and I'm not strong as I need to be at times. And so I've got to have you to help turn my eyes away. Don't let me give my attention to that worthless stuff that's going to lead me down the wrong path. That's a great prayer to pray. So the idea of turning my eyes is just a metaphor for saying, don't let me give my attention to that stuff. I hear a lot of people talk about distractions these days. Um, and, and I hear that in the context of when I'm talking to people about their relationship with God. And so sometimes people say to me, Pastor Rick, um, I've just been distracted lately, you know. A lot of distractions. And, and I realize what that means. There's some other stuff getting my attention. That's what that means. And to casually say, I'm not doing great with God because I've just been distracted. Well, that means other things have your attention. And that means that those other things are influencing the direction of your life. And so distractions aren't something to take lightly. Distractions veer us off the path. Distractions are bad news. And so great question, great question for you, for me. What has my attention? Another great question. Who has my attention? Another really good question. What should have my attention? Another really good question. Who should have my attention? My attention should be over here, not over there. So I want to throw a quote by A.W. Tozer on the screen for you, okay? And I want you to take a good look. What we think about. When we are free to think about what we will. Okay. What we think about when we can think about whatever we want. Nobody's in our... Th- I mean, we just, I'm just sitting alone. I can think about whatever I want. Tozer says, that is what we are. Or will soon become. 
This guy's awesome, by the way. I don't know if you read him. Classic. So what if I think about, I'll leave it there a minute so you can write it down. What if I think about just getting rich and material possessions, then what do I become? What if I just think about the sensual all the time? What if sex is just on my brain constantly? What do I become? What if I think about Jesus all the time? What do I become? And so what he's really saying is, what we give our attention to, what we dwell on, what really grabs our attention, influences the direction of our lives. So you might want to say, okay, I, I, I hear you. You're saying, okay, get on your knee, pray, God, help me turn my eyes away from the worthless things. Help me to be very aware of what I'm giving my attention to. I hear all that. What's, what's the benefit? Let me just say real bluntly to you, okay? We are human. He is God. He deserves our worship, our allegiance, our love, our obedience, and that's enough. Right? He's God. He's deserving of all of it, and that's reason enough. But He loves us so much, and He is so good to us. He spoils us. And as we live our lives according to His will, which the psalmist is praying for, there are incredible benefits to us. Incredible benefits. And so the psalmist says, you know, like this, Hey, Lord, I want you to teach me. I want you to give me understanding. It's not just a matter of a cognitive experience or some kind of learning growth mode that I want to be in. The reason I want you to give me understanding and enlighten my understanding and give me instruction is because I actually want to live this life. All right, I want to live in obedience. I want to do this thing. It's not just about knowing. I want to live this life. And, and these words absolutely love, okay? He says, direct me in the path of your commands, all right? This is the path I want to choose, all right? The path of your commands. And then he says, because there I find delight. It's the best life ever. When, when, when I do what God wants me to do, I'm always glad I did. It's the best life. I never say, I wish I hadn't done God's will. Dang it, I shouldn't have done that. I never ever say that. I'm always like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I follow God's way every time. It's the best life. Let me tell you something else. It has a really, really good destination. Really good destination. So I'll, I'll end with this, all right? So my dad is dying, and it's the last two days of his life, and me and God are getting serious about, do you think maybe it's time you should take him home, you know? Because it's hard to see him like this. It, it, was, it was awful. And so... So Annette and I are driving in the car one day while we're there. And I said, all these memories, I'm reaching way back. 
in my mind. I'm remembering things I've forgotten for years. And, and I remembered a song that we sung in that little church growing up. It wasn't a favorite song. It was just, I know it because we sung it, you know. But boy, I got to thinking about my dad and the fight being almost over. And in the car, I said, Annette, sing this with me. You remember it? When the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Crown is just a sign of victory, okay? We shall wear a crown. Yes, we shall wear a crown for. When the battle's over, we shall wear a crown in the new Jerusalem. For those of you who are over 50, could rescue this from being a solo. Wear a crown, wear a crown, wear a bright and shining crown. For when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown in the new Jerusalem. Not only is it the best way to live life, it has an incredible destination. Yeah. You agree? All right. So you want to stand with me? So you know how sometimes I, I love it when we can just say, hey, before we go, should we take some time just to give you a chance to pray? And so it may be this morning that it's in response to the sermon for you. Maybe you've, you've come and God's spoken through his word and you're saying, you know what? I want to pray. I want to talk to God about what God has said to me. And so... Um, you can do that. You can come down and just say, okay, Lord, there's some things that have my attention. I shouldn't be giving those things my attention because they are influencing the direction of my life. These have been good words. And, and you want to pray. Maybe that you came in this morning and you wanted to pay more attention to the sermon than you did because you're kind of consumed with what's going on in your life right now. And you just want to come and pray about that. That's good. Come and pray. It may be that there's somebody that you love that you want to pray for. Well, you can, you can do that. It's, it's just kind of wide open. You can come and pray about whatever. It may be this morning that you're saying, okay, I listened to this guy talking about the direction his life is going to go, and my life isn't going that direction. I'm not following Jesus. But I would like to. And today I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin. And I'm going to make a commitment to follow the radical Jesus. Even if it means living my life counterculturally. This morning you can be born again. I mean radically change from now on. And so for whatever reason that you want to come and pray, I, I just invite you. No, I encourage you, if you want to pray, to come and just kneel here and pray, okay? Look for in his world.
want you to sing that, just your voices, sing it out.
pray here that have come and as you leave and as you pray through this week as you spend time in the word and with God would you receive this blessing may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you may he be gracious to you and give you peace as you seek him in all in all that you do Go in his peace. Are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.